Hey everyone, welcome to Season 2 of Anatomy of a Campaign. For this premiere episode, I'm going to get into designing the city of Medier. But before I do, I wanted to talk about the podcast's format. Season 1 was predominantly designed around a two-episode cycle. First came the prep episode, then I would run the game, and then came the post episode talking about how all of my plans went or did not went. Go. Did not go. Did not went go. While that philosophy remains, I think the format I used in the final five episodes of season one was more useful. I'm actually pretty proud of how all of that came together, and I think those five episodes sit as a little nugget of good information. They were more organized around a topic, and I used game session information as well as other fictional examples to illustrate my points. In that way, this is kind of like a pre-episode where I talk about what I'm planning and how I plan, but specifically about the city rather than all the bits and pieces about the next session. To kick off Season 2, I have our stalwart band of adventurers heading to the city of Medier, where they hope to do research that will lead them to other mystic temples like the one they found in Borlane. Some are in it for the prospective plunder, others to help save the rootlands, and still others to serve the Morrigan. Right now, Medier is little more than an icon on my hexographer map. In this episode, I'm looking to flesh out the city, talk through my process, and develop a rich setting for my players to engage. This is Anatomy of a Campaign. I think it's worthwhile discussing the difference between a town and a city. Size, obviously, but that's a little thin for me. I think cities are more power centers and they have an inherent connection to other elements of the kingdom or country. Commerce, military, politics, information, these are things that operate in a fairly complex way in a city versus a town. There's infrastructure, roads, rivers, docks, walls, and the people behind all of these things, from generals to foot soldiers, merchant princes to artisans, sailors, priestesses, acolytes, a too-large-to-be-named cast of characters. There are organizations, thieves' guilds, royal families, merchant guilds, spies, diplomatic envoys, peasants, town guards, shop owners. It's too much to wrap your head around, but it has to read to the players as a large, complex environment for them to interact, unlike a town where there is perhaps one of anything and limited resources. I think the big difference for me is that cities are in a state of flux. There's a lot of movement through a city, new ships from faraway places, new caravans, new influences. And because I'm very visual, I tend to use the mapping process as a conduit to understand this flow of influence. Enough generic talk. Let me work through this for Medier. 
there are a couple of established things I need to keep in mind. It's a landlocked city, sitting in the northern rootlands on the road between Outpost 9 and the old capital city of Nirvalen. Since Nirvalen has been decimated and is currently occupied by the faithful of Semyana, Medier has become the unofficial capital of the rootlands. My train of thought has two questions for me at this point. First, what does it mean to be the default capital of the rootlands? And second, what was the point of Medier before it was the default capital? I ask these things because the purpose of a place informs its base design. If it was a fort where the city built up around it, that would look very different from a river trade post where commerce was the genesis. Medier is the default capital because it has many roads connecting what remains of the heartland of the old nation. The Rootlands sits in what was once the kingdom or province of Etheria. It is named for Devil Root, an extremely valuable spice which can only be grown here. The value of the Rootlands is exporting Devil Spice, so it must connect the farms to trading posts. Medier, being centrally located, was a transitional hub for trade. In its past, caravans would issue forth to Outpost 9 in Nirvalen to ultimately send cargo abroad. The core technology of Medier is organization storage, but most importantly, roads. Roads have to be maintained and they have to be kept safe. Workers and soldiers would be prominent in a city like Medier. Crime and law will be an important facet of Medier's design. Depending on how successful it was, it will either have a very prominent and powerful criminal organization, or it will have an ironclad system of law and punishment. But that's the past. In the present, Etheria is in civil war. It's been devastated. The Arabathan Empire has collapsed. The capital city of Nirvalen is a ruin occupied by the fanatical devotees of a fallen angel who claims godhood. Medier is the capital now because it can keep the rest of the rootlands connected. Those commerce roads become supply lines and means for fast communication with key defensive points. Medier, therefore, should be an open city, designed with many roadways in and out. The design will be for big open markets, many checkpoints, but not an overwhelming number of fortifications. Like any city, it will have some defenses, but its purpose was to facilitate travel and the organization of goods for export. Stables will be plentiful, as will lodging. Services supporting repeat visitors should be prioritized. I'm thinking of cost-efficient camp space where farmers bringing their goods can spend the night before returning home the next day. The Rootlands is a very lawful place, so while there is crime, the city watch, constabulary, and prison system will be potent. Given the new role of Medier, that would be even more true than before. So quick recap. When designing a city, think of any givens that will impact its design. What have you established in your game that needs to be taken into account when building the city? Next, consider the historical and current purpose of the city. Why did people come here? Why did the city develop? And how has that changed in the present? Consider how things move through the city. In my case, it's the roads as a means of commerce, but it could just as easily be about shipping, the movement of armies, the guarding of a hostile border. That central raison d'etre will inform quite a bit about your city. The other thing I think about is where the power resides. What organizations and people make the big decisions? 
dovetailed with this is alignment. Normally that's something for a character, but determining the alignment of the city helps to frame everything. Actually, I think alignment helps to roleplay a city better than it does to roleplay a character. Is the city organized or chaotic? Good, neutral, or evil? If I was designing a lawful neutral city, and I think I am, that tempers the details of the city and most notably the powerful people running the place. A lawful neutral city is focused on maintaining order. It will prioritize keeping the peace over anything, including justice. The rules of the city are held firm. Abide by the rules and you'll be fine. Looking back at my older notes on the Rootlands, I discovered the following entry from Medier. Medier is the ancestral capital of the region and one of the oldest cities in all of Arabatha. From this city, a loose council of clerics rules over the Rootlands, headed by His Holiness Cardinal Demoric Wren. He is served by the Knights of the Dawn, which is supposed to be a group dedicated to the highest ideals of the Rootlands, but is functionally tax collectors, magistrates, and a centralized policing force. So yeah, at best this place is lawful neutral. And from that entry I have two organizations, the Church and the Knights. Both are served by this Cardinal. He imposes taxes and demands order. One big point of note is that the Rootlands still worships Anu, the missing god. So this cardinal will not possess divine magic, and none of his functionaries will either. When I use the term cleric in that description, I was using it more as we use it in the modern day as a way to say priest, not necessarily the class with all of their benefits and boons. I am reminded of Leia's line to Tarkin and Vader in Star Wars, the one about how the more they tighten their grasp, the more systems will slip through their fingers. And now Peter Cushing is the inspiration for Cardinal Wren. For a deeply lawful city, that has to mean either a rebellion against those rules or a powerful criminal guild. My inclination is to have a fifth column within the Knights of the Dawn, but also to show the harshness of how criminals are dealt with. I am envisioning bodies twisting from hanging trees within sight of the main road leading into Medier. People bearing silent witness, but saying nothing lest they are cast as traitors or secret followers of Semyana. And this is where I hit the pause button. In my experience, it can be worthwhile to note your first idea and hold it aside. Then reconsider what you are trying to accomplish and see if a different idea sparks. At first blush, my city idea is interesting. But it is casting Medier's ruling class as villains. I already have villains in the form of their opposition, the faithful of Semyana. If I proceed with this, I will be casting the players as stuck between two evil factions vying for control of the Rootlands. While interesting, I think it's off mission. My goal is to establish an interesting place where the characters feel somewhat safe. They need an opportunity to take some time and explore options. Setting the city up to be this hotbed of oppression is counterproductive to my intent. So, let's back up. If the cardinal in his setup feels too harsh, what is needed is more sympathy. Less clutching the galaxy too hard and more trying to save his people. How sad must it be to serve a god that once gave you mystic power to heal, but has abandoned the world and left you with faith alone? The irony of that living in our real world is not lost on me, but to have known or heard about miracles in the not-too-distant past, and to live in a time without miracles, that's kind of sad. So what if the Cardinal is the last of his order? He is the Cardinal because there's no one else. People pay lip service to the faith, but it is largely meaningless. Cardinal Wren does not believe any longer, but he recognizes that the trappings of faith help to maintain order, and that keeps the knights under control. 
because they are needed to defend against the inevitable invasion from the faithful of Semyana. It's possible, perhaps probable, that none of this will come up in play. It helps me to know this stuff for when the players are interacting with various things in the city. Back to the original question. Where does the power reside? Cardinal Wren maintains a tenuous hold on the Knights of the Dawn, using the last threads of the old religion of Anu. His goal is to keep them together long enough to repel any assault by the faithful of Semyana. If they are not quite corrupt, it is because of one or two commanders who adhere to the old codes of honor. So who's the villain? Who's the one that wants to usurp power and line their own pocket? Who wants to tag evil onto the lawful alignment? I think there can be three commanders of the knights in the city. There is leadership of the interior guards, those who man the walls and patrol the streets. Then there are the exterior soldiers who range out from the city to remain vigilant to external threats and guard the roads. Lastly, there are the tax collectors and trade commissioners, those who enforce the rules of doing business in Medier. The commander of the scouting force feels like the best candidate for being the good actor. It's too on the nose for the commander of the tax collectors to be the real bad guy, which leaves us with the commander of the guard. Commander Rezal Nadir runs the city guard and holds the cardinal in some contempt. Where the cardinal prioritizes the flow of trade, Nadir wishes to curtail it, raise prices, and make the traders pay more for the right to do business in Medier. Another faction should be the caravan companies. They feel like they would have a lot at risk and would be integral to Medier's function as the new capital. I'm going to call them the Spokemasters Guild. And while I think there would be dozens of companies, the head of the guild will be a tough old ranger named Alora Maddock. The last thing I would want to cover is the criminal element. I think it would be less of a guild and more about individual criminals willing to risk running afoul of the guards. So really not a centralized major player in that regard. So, in terms of power centers, to recap, we have the Cardinal, who is ultimately in charge. He wants to maintain order, but does so as a means to prepare them for the inevitable conflict he sees coming. Among the Knight Commanders, the leader of the Guard, Nadir, is spoiling for more power. The other key player of note is Alora Maddock, who runs the Spokemasters Guild. This level of detail is all I really need to be able to improvise anything on the fly should it really come up in depth. I'm trying to be efficient with my time in designing a city, and so I don't need to go in and design every possible thing around, say, Alora Maddock. It's enough to know that there's a Spokemasters Guild that represents dozens of different companies, and between my list of char potential character names, as well as any other improvisational elements I have on hand, if the players lean into any area I haven't fleshed out extremely, I still have the ability to make it real in the moment. So I have the nucleus of the city in the form of its historical and current purpose. It facilitates trade along caravan routes and is the default capital connecting the outposts that guard the rootlands from invasion to the center and the farmers. I have the powerful organizations and the leaders of note. The last thing is the most intensive, which is designing the city geography. In my case, that's map making. More than that, I see the geography as the player interface. When they ask about the city, what they can do and where they can go, usually I have a map with districts marked off. What they can do and the map go hand in hand for me. Not saying that's the only way, but it's my way. I did some research online to see if I could find any city that was not connected to water. 
My research was hardly exhaustive, but every major city I bothered to look at, about a dozen, were all on rivers, or some potent waterway. It makes sense there's a lot of benefits to having a river system connected to a city. I even poked around in some desert areas to see what I could find. I thought I found one in Niger, but when I zoomed in, the satellite image clearly showed an ancient dried-up river running through that location. So the first geographical feature should be the water. The water seems to determine the layout. Now, I don't have a major river mapped, but I certainly can add one. I'll make it snake a bit running from north to south, reserving east to west for the road that is already established. From there, I will map the road, how it crosses the river, and then build the city's districts outward from there. I won't bother with individual buildings. That's a level of detail I neither have time for, nor do I think I need. I will mark major points of interest, towers, bridges, where the cardinal is situated, jails. Then I'll note the key things I know my players will be interested in. Multiple taverns and inns, maybe four or five. We'll have to work up some colorful names. An armorsmith, because Bren, the half-orc fighter, will be looking to get new armor. A library or places they can go to do research. The whole reason they're going to Medier is to research the potential locations of other temples. I think it's smart to identify one or two places that are unique to the city. Things that can make them stand out. A great example that comes to mind are the dinosaur races in Port Nianzaro found in the Tomb of Annihilation Adventure. My first idea is a bit gruesome and would definitely be an underground thing. Zombie fighting pits. The Rootland suffers from undead risings. Stands to reason that some enterprising souls would capture zombies and pit them against each other for entertainment. I think these pits would change every night popping up in various sections of the old Undercity. I envision different bouts based on how many limbs the zombie has, how fresh they are, squad-on-squad zombie combat. With gambling, of course. The thing about the Rootlands is that they're known to be extremely hard workers, and it's actually legally punishable to not do your job when you're supposed to. But to counterbalance that, they're also known for being heavy drinkers, partiers, revelers. There's always some kind of taverna in any location so that the workers have a chance to blow off steam. So the idea of these horrific zombie fighting pits where they gamble sort of fits in well because these are the people that have to put down these zombie risings. For them to find some entertainment in that is kind of on point for these people. And I think this is a two-for-one, zombie fighting pits, and I just determined that there would be the ancient remains of a much older city beneath the modern one, perhaps when Medier was the capital thousands of years earlier. The other, more upscale thing should be horse racing. The Rootlands is known for their horses. I think a large racetrack for the equestrian arts makes a ton of sense. To cap it all off, I need to think about the player's goals and where they can actually get the information about the other temples. I want there to be multiple options. The cathedral's library would be the most useful, though the hardest to access. They'd either have to figure out a way to hobnob with the power elite or plan on breaking in. If they succeed, it will give them a huge bonus on any research. There will be a few scattered book collections. This is the base level. Just have to pay for access. And I am thinking there might be a hidden option in the Undercity. An apocryphal archive that they could only find out about if they make connections, perhaps through the zombie fighting pits. This won't give a boon to their research, 
but I will give them knowledge they cannot attain anywhere else if they have access to this library. I have to say I love this stuff. Thinking through the design of a city can spur other ideas, and it has the same effect on the players. When they're in the city dealing with various NPCs, something will pop up. Some new hook or opportunity for adventure. This has been Anatomy of a Campaign. If you're enjoying the podcast, please remember to like, share, subscribe, tell your friends, warn your enemies, and write a review. I would love to hear from you. Feel free to reach out on Twitter, where I am at Anatomy Camp, or even shoot me an email, phil at campaignanatomy.com. And remember, killing your characters is good, clean fun, but killing your players is often frowned upon. Thanks for listening. 